On today's Kids Corner, Liz and his class give a history report with a gripping story. Good evening, Majesty. This evening we have something very special for you. Mmm, so I've heard. Captain of the Guard, seize them! What? What's going on? Get your hands off me! Come on now! You serve a dangerous goblet of wine, Terish. Remove them from my sight. Stay tuned. It's time for Kids Corner. Hi, Liz. 30 minutes of adventure. Well, it's only the coolest and most popular club in school. With Liz, Lucille, Skink, Spike, Scooter, Grandpa Noli, and all their friends. It isn't Liz and Lucille. So get set for lifetime adventures. Oh, I can't believe this. On Kids Corner. That is one strange lizard. It's history report time in Miss Waddle's class at Terrarium Elementary again, and we all know what that means. Right, it's time for another great presentation from Liz and the gang. I wonder who they'll report on this time. We're about to find out because Liz is next. This is Bible news, news from God's holy word. Dateline, circa 465 B.C. Many years ago, the once proud and powerful nation of Israel was conquered by King Nebuchadnezzar and the great Babylonian army. At that time, many of the Israelites were taken from their homeland to live in Babylon, also called Persia. This is the setting of our story today. With me is Bible News history expert, Cammie Leon. Cammie, what can you tell us about this situation? Well, Liz, this is a crucial time in Israel's history. Even though they themselves are not yet aware of it, the Israelites are facing their greatest crisis since their defeat at the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar. This is a crisis that could cost them their very existence as a people. For more on this story, we take you to Bible News correspondents Maury Klumptos and Lucille Monitor. Maury, let's start with you. Where are you exactly? I'm in the palace of King Xerxes, Liz. Xerxes? That's right. He is one of the kings who ruled after Nebuchadnezzar. Ah, well, what can you tell us? Well, Liz, something very peculiar has been going on here. You see, Xerxes recently threw a party for all the officials in his kingdom. Well, what's so peculiar about that? It lasted six months. Six months? That's right. Also, the party was only for men. No women allowed. So while Xerxes was throwing a party for the officials, Queen Vashti threw one for the officials' wives. And this separation is how the trouble began. What do you mean? Well, my sources tell me that Vashti is a lovely woman, Liz. And as such, it seems that Xerxes wanted to parade her around for all his officials to see. Huh. I wonder how Queen Vashti felt about this. I don't know, but like it or not, Xerxes is the king. His word is law, and Queen Vashti was bound to obey. Interesting. Let's bring Lucille Monitor in on this. Lucille, where are you? I'm standing at the queen's house, Liz. How did she take the king's summons? Not well, Liz. In fact, I arrived here just as she stormed out, and I can safely say that Vashti was one angry queen. Well, it seems a very reasonable response to me. But you must remember that in this time, Liz, women, even queens, were considered little more than property, and property doesn't tell its owner no. Uh, Liz? Oh, excuse me, Lucille. Yes, Maury? I'm sorry to interrupt, but the king just heard about Vashti's response, and he is furious. He's brought together his wise men to get some advice on what he should do. I'll try to get closer. 
Your Majesty, Queen Vashti has wronged not only my lord the king, but every citizen of your empire. Yes, women everywhere will start disobeying their husbands when they learn what she has done. That's right. Before this day is out, the wife of every official throughout your empire will hear what the queen did and start talking to us the same way. Mark my words, there will be contempt and anger throughout your realm. So, what should I do? We suggest that you issue a royal edict. A law of the Medes and Persians that can never be changed. That Queen Vashti be forever banished from your presence. And that you choose another more worthy queen. When this decree is published throughout your great kingdom, husbands everywhere, whatever their rank, will be respected by their wives. Very well. It is so decreed. You heard it, Liz. King Xerxes just got rid of his wife. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you, Maury. We'll get an update from you soon. Right, Liz. And we're back with Bible News. I'm Lizarardo Quintus Lacerda. When we broke away, King Xerxes had just gotten rid of his wife, Queen Vashti, because she refused his order to appear at his banquet. Cammy Leon, help us out here. I mean, how could Xerxes really think it was a good idea to get rid of his wife? Actually, he may not have. What do you mean? Many historians say that once Xerxes had calmed down, he realized he'd made a mistake. So, did he call Vashti back? Unfortunately, no. Xerxes had made Vashti's banishment a royal decree. As a result, he could never see her again. That's tragic. Yes. But at the same time, it was necessary to set the stage for what was to come. Liz? Oh, yes, Maury? A new development is afoot. Xerxes' aides have asked to meet with him again. They say they have another plan to make him happy. Here comes the king. I'll try to get closer. Your Majesty, we have a brilliant plan. Better than your last brilliant plan, I trust? Oh, indeed, my king. We will find the most beautiful girls in the Empire and bring them here to you. Go on. We will appoint agents in each province to select young lovelies for the royal harem. They will be given beauty treatments, and the one who pleases you most shall be the new queen. I like this plan. Put it into effect immediately. Yes, yes, sir. Maury. Yes, Liz? Did I hear correctly? The king is actually going to hold a beauty contest to see who will become the next queen? That's right, Liz. That's rather barbaric, isn't it? Well, by our standards, perhaps, but not necessarily for this time period. Besides, we still have beauty contests today where we crown a winner. Well, yes, but it isn't a real crown. There's no real royal title or privilege that comes with it. It's symbolic. Well, at any rate, Xerxes' word is law and will be carried out immediately. You're right, Maury. Lucille Monitor has more on that side of the story. Lucille, where are you now? I'm at the house of a Jewish man named Mordecai Liz. He lives on this quiet street with his niece, Hadassah. Hadassah? That's her Hebrew name. Here in Persia, she's known by a different name, Esther. What do we know about this Esther? Not much, Liz. We do know that her father and mother are dead, and Mordecai adopted her into his family. Aside from that, she's a bit of a mystery. We haven't even caught sight of her yet. We're hoping to do so when Mordecai gets here. Ah, speaking of which, here he comes now. Esther! Esther! Uncle Mordecai, what is it? Esther, 
My dear, I have something to tell you. Very soon, you will be taken to the palace. The palace? But but why? Well, what have I done? You haven't done anything, my dear, except be yourself. The king is sending for the most beautiful maidens throughout the realm. He is looking for a new queen. But I don't wish to go. You have no choice. Now, there's no need to worry. I'll check on you every day, but you need to listen carefully. There's something I must tell you before they come for you. What is it? You must not tell anyone, not even the king himself, that you are a Jew. But I am proud of my heritage. I know you are, my dear, but it's best that you keep that pride to yourself for the present. You must trust me, Esther. I will do as you wish, Uncle Mordecai. Good. Come, let's get ready. Lucille? I'm here, Les. Why do you think Mordecai wanted Esther to hide her nationality? Your guess is as good as mine, Liz. Perhaps it's because the Jews are strangers in this land, and maybe there could be a great deal of hostility towards them if one of them became the queen instead of a local girl. I'll stay on top of the story and see what develops. Thank you, Lucille. Well, Camilleon, what can young Hadassah, or Esther, expect from her stay in the palace? Actually, Liz, we know from the historical record that Esther and the other young girls stayed in the palace for at least a year before being presented to the king. A year? And what happened during that time? A great deal of pampering, Liz. Twelve months of beauty treatments, oil baths, perfume, and skin creams, until she was finally ready to appear before the king. And that is where we find correspondent Maury Klumptoes right now. Maury, what can you tell us? Well, Liz, I'm at the palace and the air is fairly buzzing with excitement. The year of preparation is over, and we have already seen a few of the beauties who are presenting themselves to the king, and they are truly lovely. But confidentially, I was able to get a glimpse of Esther a few moments ago. And I have to tell you, she is really beautiful. Oh, I think she's just about to be announced. The maiden Esther. The crowd is stunned, Liz. And with good reason. Esther is... is, uh... uh, Stunning? uh, Exactly. What is the king doing, Maury? He's also stunned. He looks as though his eyes are about to pop out of his head. The maiden Esther, your majesty. My dear, you are the most beautiful woman I have ever seen. Thank you, your majesty. I am honored that I have pleased you. Oh, you've done much more than that, my dear. You, Harold, send the others away. Sire? And make a proclamation. A proclamation? Yes. Let the word be spread. Xerxes has found his queen. We're back. This is Bible News, and I'm Liz Lacerda. To recap our top story, King Xerxes has just made a young Jewish girl named Hadassah, but better known as Esther, his queen. Esther's uncle, Mordecai, has made her promise to not tell anyone, even the king, that she is a Jew, a promise Esther has kept faithfully. With us is Bible News correspondent Lucille Monitor with the latest twist in the story. 
Lucille, tell us what you've uncovered. Liz, I was interviewing Mordecai at the King's Gate when we overheard something very interesting. I was able to get closer and I managed to record the following conversation between two of the King's officers, Bigfin and Tarash. Here's that conversation. Roll tape, please. Open that door, Bigfin. Roll out the red carpet, Bigfin. Ooh, make sure no one hurts me, Big Thin. He's nothing but a lazy coward. He is the king, Big Thin. A certain amount of laziness is to be expected, I suppose. I didn't know you had become such a big supporter of Xerxes, Teresh. I'm not. But I don't hate him because he does what comes naturally to a king. My hate for him is much more profound than that. (laughs) Yeah, he demoted you. That's what happens when you steal royal goblets. They were rightfully mine. Overdue payment for years of faithful service. He wouldn't even have missed them. You're just lucky you still have both your hands and your life. If I'm so lucky, why am I still a lowly slave? All right, all right. We know we both hate Xerxes. That's why we're going to do what we're going to do, right? Right. When? Tonight. He'll be alone. Waiting for his evening wine. You hold him, and I'll give him much more than wine. But the story doesn't end there, does it, Lucille? Oh, no, indeed it doesn't, Liz. Mordecai immediately passed on this information to Esther, who got the word to the king. And this is what happened next. Roll tape. Enter. Good evening, Majesty. Ah, big thing. Teresh. I see you've brought my wine. Yes, sire. This evening we have something very special for you. Mmm, so I've heard. Captain of the guard, seize them! What? What's going on? Get your hands off me! Come on now! You serve a dangerous goblet of wine, Teresh, laced with a dagger. Majesty, I... Silence! Remove them from my sight. Those killers... It was fortunate that Queen Esther learned of this plot, sire. Indeed, Captain. She is a brave woman. Actually, sire, the Queen asks that the discovery of the information be credited to Mordecai. Very well. Record it in the Chronicles of Xerxes' reign. It shall be done, sire. So, Mordecai was a hero. Yes, he was. Are there any changes that have taken place in the palace since this incident? Oh, yes. The king has beefed up the palace guard and made another change. He appointed a man named Haman to be his second-in-command. Thank you, Lucille. We'll check back with you later. Maury Klumptos has been following the Haman aspect of this story, and he filed this report from inside the palace. Liz, Haman has certainly taken advantage of being the second most powerful official in the Empire. In fact, the king has commanded that all of the officials bow before Haman whenever he passes by. But there is one who refuses to do so. Earlier today, I was witness to this outside the palace and caught it on tape. Mordecai! Mordecai! Yes, Duma. Haman is passing. So he is. Bow down! No! What is the king's orders? Would you disobey Xerxes? To bow before something is to show respect. Something I'll never do to an Amalekite. Especially one like Haman. But you could die for this! I know. But I will never bow down to Haman. Never. Maury, let me break in here. 
Kimmy, what do you think about this? And who are the Amalekites? Well, Liz, Mordecai's animosity toward Haman harks back to the ancient enmity between the Israelites, or the Jews, and the Amalekites. But I am afraid Mordecai is setting himself up for big trouble by defying a man like Haman. Thank you, Cammy. Back to you, Maury. Thanks, Liz. A source in Haman's office gave me a second take. On it, you'll hear a conversation between Duma and Haman, and Haman is none too happy. Mordecai will not honor me? No, my lord, Haman. Why? He is a Jew. He says he will not bow down to an Amalekite. He will bow, or I will cut him off at the knees. It is not just he, my lord. Hmm? All Jews are the same way. Is that so? Well, we'll see about that. He sounded pretty upset, Maury. Oh, he was very upset, Liz. And he doesn't just want to go after Mordecai. Sources tell me that Haman wants to move against all the Jews in the kingdom. That's why I'm here at the palace. Well, what do you mean? Well, to move against the Jews, Haman needs the king's permission. I'm standing not far from him. My sources say he's going to ask for that permission today, in just a few minutes, in fact. Any idea what Haman has planned, Maury? No first-hand knowledge yet, Liz. But my source says it is a scheme that we will not believe. Here comes the king. I'll get as close as I can. Your Majesty. Haman, how good to see you. Thank you, sire. I need to speak to Your Majesty about some rather urgent business. What is it? Uh, there is a certain group of people scattered throughout your kingdom. The Jews. And? Well, sire, their laws are different from those of any other nation under your dominion. Different? Different how? Well, in several ways, sire. But the most important one is that they refuse to bow down before your majesty and his officials. They refuse to bow down? Yes, my lord. Refusing to bow down? It's simply not done. What kind of barbarians are these people? You've answered your own question, my liege. They're barbarians. They are too different from us, and they live in direct defiance to the king's laws. Defiance? Yes, these people are a threat to your kingdom and your sovereignty. They must be dealt with, and the sooner the better. You may be right, Haman. What do you propose? If it please the king, issue a decree that the Jews be destroyed. Destroyed? Yes, sir. You must not let those who would defy you stay alive. But to wipe out an entire race simply to make a point, isn't that a bit drastic? Trust me, sire. This is for the best. Are you certain about this, Haman? I am, sire. So certain, in fact, that I'm willing to fund the whole thing out of my own money. I will repay into the royal treasury whatever it costs to rid the kingdom of these... Jews. Very well. If you're that confident, then keep your money. You have my permission to proceed. Here is my ring, which bears the royal seal. Do as you like with these people, whatever you think best. Thank you, Your Majesty. So, you won't bow down to an Amalekite, eh, Mordecai? <laughs> when I'm through with you and your people, you'll wish you had. <laughs> Wow. Well, now we know the plan, Liz. And I think it's safe to say that my source was right. This is unbelievable. 
Thank you, Maury. I want to bring in our history expert, Cammie Leon. Cammie, what would an action such as Haman's take? Well, Liz, he has the most important thing, the king's ring. It provides the official stamp he needs to carry out his plan. Next, Haman would have to dictate letters to the officials throughout the empire, seal them with the king's ring, and then send them out by speediest messengers to the four corners of the kingdom. But something like that would take weeks. Uh, Liz? Oh, yes, Maury? I just heard that last comment. I don't want to contradict Cammie, but I don't think Haman is wasting any time. Listen. Hear ye, hear ye, a proclamation from King Xerxes, Emperor of Media, Persia, and the 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. It is decreed that all Jews, young and old, women and children, shall be killed on the 28th day of February in the new year, and their property given to those who kill them. Let the people be ready to do their duty on the appointed day. Obviously, this is a stunning development, Liz. This decree will go into effect less than a year from now. The city, and no doubt the kingdom as a whole, is falling into confusion and panic. Liz? Yes, Lucille? I'm outside the palace with Mordecai. When he heard the announcement, he put on mourning clothes, and he's now crying out to Esther. Why doesn't he go inside the palace? Apparently, no one is allowed in the palace wearing mourning clothes. Oh, oh, here comes Esther now. I'm going to get closer. Uncle, oh, Uncle, it's terrible. Why would Haman do such a thing? He has gone mad with power. Esther, you are our only hope. Me? Yes, you must go to the king to plead for our people. I can't. You must. You don't understand. Anyone, whether man or woman, who goes into the king's inner court without his summons is doomed to die. Uncle, if I do this... I'll be killed. You will not be killed if he extends to you the golden scepter. But he does that so rarely. You must try, Esther. If you don't, you condemn our people to extinction, and you will die anyway. Me? Do you think you will escape death because you live in the palace? I am the queen. You are also a Jew. So if I speak, I die... And if I don't speak, I die. You must put your faith in God, Esther. Who can say but that he has brought you into the palace for just such a time as this? Yes. Gather the Jews in the city to fast for me. My maids and I will do the same. After three days, though it is strictly forbidden, I will go in to see the king. And if I perish, I perish. I hate to interrupt this incredible Bible news broadcast, but we're out of time. If you want to know how things will turn out, you can do two things. First, read the book of Esther in the Bible. And second, tune in again next time. 